Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And I want to let you know that the State of the Saints podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Over 2 million men worldwide have joined the movement for all their below the waist needs. Engineers for the last 18 months have perfected the greatest hair trimmer ever created, the Lawnmower 3.0. The third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. You can choose the Lawnmower 3.0 as well as other items by going to manscaped.com and you can also save 20% by using the promo code State of Saints. That's manscaped.com. Use the promo code State of Saints and save 20% on the Lawnmower 3.0 as well as other Manscaped items. That's manscaped.com. song get me hype <laughs> hey what's going on who that nation it is yours truly tj jones the host of the state of the saints podcast and we have back once again here on the state of the saints podcast from the new orleans advocate we have rod walker Rod, what's going on man hey, not much man thanks for having me on i couldn't hear the music man i didn't get to hear the pump up music Oh no, man! No, I thought you were able to hear it. I apologize, man. No, that's, but, that's good. That's good. Uh, man, uh, but <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I, I really do appreciate it. And uh, you know, I'm just ready to talk about the New Orleans Saints and this this NFL draft. Not now that it's in the books, right? And you know, we know what the Saints have done. We know what they did in the first round, uh, one in rounds one through seven. But what is your overall take uh, of the NFL draft? How do you think the Saints did? I think when you look at it based on needs, I mean, you know, going to this draft, there were some positions we thought they needed to address. And I feel like, you know, they addressed them. Um, obviously, they didn't address them with some players that a lot of people thought and that we predicted, I guess. But I mean, I think they, you know, they needed a cornerback. They got a cornerback. They needed a linebacker. They got a linebacker. We, you know, we talked about another receiver. They got another receiver. We talked about quarterback. They got a quarterback. And, uh, and this is a team, you know, they added some some depth on the offensive line, which is, you know, that's something they always do. So, I mean, I, I think they did a – I think with a draft, you never know how they did until – you know, ask me this question in two years and we'll know. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I just – you just don't know. But I think as far as needs, I think they did a really good job of meeting those needs. And you look at those – I actually had a – I tweeted some about this the other day. You know, you look at the Saints draft history over the past six or seven years. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they typically – their first pick is typically always an offensive or defensive lineman. That's just – that's just where this team starts. And I mean, you know, and it, I mean, you look at what they've done the past four years. I mean, this team's, you know, averaging 12 wins a season over that time. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this formula is working for them. I mean, obviously they haven't gotten over the hump, but as far as 
you know, players. I mean, I think they're doing a good job of uh, finding them. And, I mean, these guys, they evaluate talent a lot more <laughs> better than me and you do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know we want to think that we know what we're talking about, but, I mean, this is what they, those guys do. And, again, we just have to wait and see how this pans out, man. But, I mean, I think they did feel their needs with, and as far as positions, which is the, the big thing. Yeah, I mean, look, I always concede to the to the coaches in, in front office, and and I said this before, you know, on the state of the Saints podcast. I mean, they know more about what they actually need than we do. I, right. I think a lot of the times, like we just get so emotionally invested. Like I, I can think of last year, like I, I thought that you know because of all the 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 media, you know, stuff talking about Jordan Love and how the Saints fell in love with him. I guess I got so emotionally invested, I thought for a fact that they were going to draft him, but they ended up going in a different direction, getting Cesar Ruiz. And and then this year, I guess, you know, it was a little bit of a head scratcher to a to a lot of Saints fans because they felt, you know, Peyton Turner, no disrespect to him, you know, but they, you know, that wasn't a name that you would have thought like they would have gotten. You know, everybody, I mean, even when, when you all interviewed, um, you know, Sean Payton at the at the golf tournament. I mean, he mentioned cornerback. He didn't say right. anything about a uh, edge rusher. So, right. but uh, what is it? Uh, you know, you had, you all had an opportunity to actually uh, interview uh, Payton Turner, uh, the the defensive end out of Houston. Uh, what are your overall thoughts of him? I mean, just you know, a few minutes that you talked to him. What 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 is what do you get from him? I think even before talking to him, I, mean, I got a, he was a guy I didn't have on my radar at all, right. and um, you know. I remember looking up that night. I looked up just to see what he did against Tulane because, you know, I covered Tulane some. And I know he had a really good game against them. You know, the, I think it was two sacks and four tackles for loss. Or somebody tweeted that out, and people were like, "Oh, that was Tulane. That doesn't that doesn't mean anything." And I wasn't tweeting out to prove a point. I was just showing that you know this guy's pretty disruptive. And you look at he only played like five games. I think last year he had some COVID issues and he battled a little tweak uh, of an injury, but he had five sacks in five games and. He's a guy that's really disruptive. He has the size and length. And obviously, I mean, you look at this Saints team, you say, oh, they don't need a defensive end. But, you know, they did lose Trey Hendrickson. And Davenport hadn't been, you know, he hadn't been healthy for a full season yet. We hadn't really seen him reach his full potential. And, you know, Cam Jordan's getting older on the other side. I think Carl Grannis is a guy that's really, you know, going to be good. But, you know, I, I don't think if adding a defensive end who you have ranked high on your board is what you want to do, I think, you know, I don't think I don't think you can ever go wrong, you know, getting some help up front. And um, if he's going to be a guy that's going to be disru- as disruptive as he was in college, I think that's a that's a I mean, I think you have to get that guy instead of getting a you can get a cornerback that you're not really high on. But why do that if you got this guy that up front that, you know, that you really like? So I, I was OK with the pick and just just kind of talking to him. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he has a lot of confidence and, and all these guys. I mean, it's draft class. When we talk, we talked to all. I don't think I, I wasn't on the Landon Young call. I, I missed out on that because I was doing some mm-hmm. for work. But the, all those guys, man, they're like they think they're really sharp guys and really confident. And you know, we have to see how good they are once they get here. But you know, he's a guy that seems like he could, he's going to be able to do what Sean Payton, the vision they have for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely seems like the New Orleans Saints have a type, though. You know, yeah. you look at uh, you look at Tano Passigno. I mean, what he like six seven? You know, he has a long wingspan. Uh, you look at uh, Marcus Davenport a couple of years ago, and now you have Peyton Turner. And, you know, I don't think that it's funny that you put up, uh, you know, the, the footage about him versus Tulane because you can't say it's just Tulane because on one hand they'll say it's just Tulane, but when McCleskey got here as a wide receiver, everybody got excited. And then you had people that wanted the Saints to draft Cam Sample 
right. at the same time. So you can't say it's just Tulane because, you know, that, that's pretty impressive. They got some talent on that side of the ball, guys getting drafted as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, man. I mean, I like what I saw, you know, as far as uh, the interview. He seems like he's a very confident kid. And, right. uh, you know, I think that's the first part. Of you believing in yourself, believing that you belong there. So I guess the rest will take care of itself. But and we'll move on. You know, you you look at the fact that the Saints uh, went into this offseason. I think we all can agree that cornerback was a primary concern. They ended up getting a cornerback, Paulson Adebo. Uh, I think he's about 6'1", uh, 200 plus pounds out of Stanford. Uh, but to me, I don't feel like, you know, that, that's that's enough. Um, there's a there's a cornerback that's on everybody's radar right now. Everybody's been talking about. And that's uh, Richard Sherman. Uh, Richard Sherman, he was on a Stephen A. Smith show uh, ride, and he talked a little bit about, you know, the offseason and him being a free agent. And this is a little clip what he said. What's going on with you? Where are you going to end up playing football next year? It's, it's, it's you know, it's it's on pause. Um, you know, I got to wait through, wait through this draft process. Obviously, the first round, a lot of teams got corners. Some teams didn't get the corners they wanted, you know, and, and I think once this draft process completes my phone will ring a little more with people who expected to get a guy and didn't get the guy they wanted you know I'm not as in control as I was you know at, at 33 you know it's right. just like it doesn't matter what you put on tape it's like ah father time is undefeated and so I just got to continue to stay in shape continue to stay ready uh obviously a return to San Francisco isn't out of the cards um I've had conversations with Seattle I've had conversations with the Saints um the Raiders and mm -hmm. you know we just got to wait to see how things play out yeah, so as you can see, I mean, the Saints were one of the teams. You couldn't hear the clip either? Wow. Oh, man. I wonder but, but if everybody what he's saying, though. Whenever you go okay. to something else, I can't hear it. Okay, look, I apologize. I apologize. So, you can sum it up for me, though. <laughs> okay, but yeah. But the Saints were like one of the teams like on okay. his radar. He mentioned like uh, the Saints were one of four teams that, that okay. he, uh, he mentioned. It was Seattle. It was the uh, – I think it was uh, the 49ers once again, and it was the Raiders. And – as you look at uh, Richard Sherman, I mean, he's 33 years old. In the clip he mentioned, you know, he, he doesn't have the leverage he once did, but he still feels like he can play. Do you think that uh, the Saints drafting a guy uh, from the same school he graduated from, the Saints uh, have a coach on his staff, the guy that kind of is, you know, connected to his success of being an all-pro, do you think that that makes the Saints uh, attractive landing spot for him? Oh, I think it definitely does. I mean, I think Chris Richards, you know, that, you know, that was his coach with the Legion of Boom. And he's a guy that obviously Richards are familiar with. And, uh, you know, and even and Mickey Loomis said this, um, I guess this was, I think we talked to Mickey after the second day of the draft Friday. Yeah. You know, one of the things he said was that, you know, he wouldn't necessarily say that they're, they're done with the cornerback position. I think bringing in a, you know, I think asking a rookie to come in and, and fill that role is kind of asking a lot, especially, I mean, if it was one of those, top four guys, you know, Sertan or or um, Greg Newsom or Caleb, you know, those guys. Yeah. You, know, you might say, okay, we, this is our guy. But I think, you know, I think Paulson Debo is a guy they feel like can eventually step into that role. But I think this team is definitely going to be on the market looking for a corner. And I think, I think if you look at where Richard Sherman is in his career, and you're not asking him to come in here and be the number one cornerback. You just need him to be on the other side of Marshawn. And I think – Think it's a perfect fit for him, and I mean, at this time in his career, and, I, and he said he doesn't have the leverage, and you know the Saints don't have a lot of money, so that probably 
I'm sure he understands that. I mean, I think it'll be a good fit for him, and I think that's something this team. Yeah, I think he's yeah. one of the guys they have to go. There's another cornerback out there, Steve Steve Nelson, was with the Steelers last year, who's yeah. who's out there. I think those two guys are probably. If I'm the Saints, I mean, those are the two guys I probably have my eyes on. But I think Richard Sherman is definitely a good fit with with Chris Richard being here as, as a coach of the uh, secondary now. Yeah, I mean, I look at I look at um, Richard Sherman. Uh, number one, uh, he doesn't have any representation. He represents himself. The last contract negotiation that he had with the 49ers, it was mostly incentive based. You know, like he was coming off an injury. Uh, there was a lot of unanswered uh, questions about him, and he gambled on himself. So this isn't a guy that I just feel like would be asking for, you know, I mean, a house to cause the kids and a dog. Uh, this is a guy who who understands uh, his football immortality. He understands that he's at the twilight of his career and he still feel like he has something to offer. And I, and like I said, this is an attractive situation. Like even when you all interview Sean Payton, uh, when when you all asked about Paulson and Debo and what what type of role do you have for him? He said on the left side of the football, and that's where Richard Sherman played primarily, like 80, almost 90 percent of the time he was lined up on the left side. So I, I think that it, the fact that he can actually come in and I'm pretty sure he probably have like this, this Stanford allegiance, you know, like the, the whole alumni thing going for him. I think that he will probably take it upon himself that he will want to try to, to help this young kid, you know, be be the best he can be and. and and live up to his true potential. So it uh, should be interesting. should be interesting. But, it's funny you know. to say that because when we were talking to um, Paulson Adigo, like as soon as we got off the call, I remember I texted somebody and I said, man, this guy reminds me of Richard Sherman. And yeah. it wasn't just because he went to Stanford. It was just, I mean, you know, Richard Sherman's like a super smart guy. Yeah. That's how Paulson was. He came across this guy. He's smart, but he also has a little swag and a little confidence. And yeah. I won't even call it – I guess you can call it a little cocky. And it's not like in a mm-hmm. bad way, though, just mm-hmm. – Guy who, who believes in what he's doing, you know, he he felt he can lock you know lock receivers up. He just had the right mindset, and I think it'll be a good fit um, yeah. for the present and long term. So I do I agree with what you said. I think Richard Sherman could actually groom this, you know, Paulson, and you know it, it would it would um, bode well for the future for this for that position for this team. Yeah, I mean, even even the fact that he used to play wide receiver, like he, right, right, just like Richard Sherman did. Richard Sherman. Yeah. Played wide receiver and switched over uh, to cornerback, which helped him like in the long run, especially like turning the ball over, catching interceptions, and also with diff- different techniques. So, man, it's gonna be interesting. I, I, I like this guy a lot. Like, he seems like he, you know, a little bit of a, a fun guy as well. Man, he was joking about. Uh, he thought the league actually called him. I think uh, the day, the day, I think the second day of the draft. And it turns out to be like one of them warranty call spam calls that you get oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> extending your warranty. So yeah. <laughs> he got off the phone, wanted friends to get it. And I thought that was pretty funny, but I, I think that he'll be a good fit. I think he'll fit in well with the locker room. And we know that the Saints like uh, the guys that kind of just fit into the locker room culture as well, not just uh, on the field. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, um, you know, we, we talk about locker room culture, like I just mentioned, uh, but you have a lot of Saints fans out there, Rod, that are very frustrated at the fact that the New Orleans Saints, they always tend to get Ohio State players. Like in second round, they get Pete Werner, right? Uh, you got Michael Thomas on the team. You got Lattimore. You had Von Bell. I mean, list goes on and on. Uh, but there is a short supply or little to no supply of LSU players. Uh, what are your thoughts on the New Orleans Saints not – 
uh, not drafting. I won't say they're not willing because I don't feel like this fair, but them not drafting as many LSU players as some Saints fans would like. I think is I don't think there's anything that Saints fans should. I mean, I say LSU fans whoever should feel slighted, but I don't think in the Saints they did draft Will Clapp a couple of years back in the <laughs> seventh round. So I mean, it's not like they just totally don't do it. But I think if you look at most NFL rosters, you don't see. Look at the Cincinnati Bengals. I guarantee you Bengals fans aren't complaining. Well, maybe they are complaining, but they're probably not complaining because they're not drafting Ohio State guys. They're drafting all these LSU guys. I mean, NFL teams are going to get the best players that they can get for their team. They don't care where you went to school. Yeah. Uh, there's The colleges in their state, they're on a farm. They're, that's not a farm team for the pro teams. I mean, it's just, it doesn't work like that. So um, if there was a guy who the Saints had graded high, you know, they would draft him. So, I mean, I just – I don't think there's anything to that, and there shouldn't be. And I, th- I think if you, you can look up the numbers, and and you'll see that most NFL rosters they don't have a their roster isn't littered with guys from the college in that state. I mean, it just doesn't doesn't work out like that. Yeah, uh, I, I just think that it's just the fact that you you know how the love for LSU and and New Orleans Saints are like kind of can join. Like you can't. You can't love the Saints and, and not like LSU. It's like goes together. So you have people that are, are born and raised in that state, you know, fans of the team, and they look at how talented these LSU players are when they go other places. I mean, we've seen it up close and personal. I mean, in, in the division around the playoffs, when former LSU Tiger Devin White almost single-handedly won the game for the Buccaneers, you know, all over the field. And then you watch people like Patrick Queen perform in Baltimore – where the Saints could have easily got him, you know. So I, I think there's a level of frustration, but I, t- to me, right, I feel like teams do their due diligence, and sometimes teams don't want to draft guys that are close to their home around individuals that they feel like could be, you know, a bad influence on them or influence them in any type of way. Like right. that's that's one of the things. That was one of the biggest issues. Like when I was staying in Dallas. You know, the Dallas Cowboys, they drafted Des Bryant. Des Bryant was from a town called Denton, Texas, which is like about 30 minutes from Dallas, right? right? So, But in his first couple of years, he was getting in trouble. And it got to a point where they actually had to have somebody actually living with this dude in order for him to like stay on a straight and narrow path. So not to say that those guys wouldn't, but – when you start making money and you got your homeboys and stuff like that, you know, like sometimes, you know, it's hard for us to like, you know, change our ways, but at the same time, want to stay true to ourselves. And I think teams understand it. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, you, you, you're doing your thing, you get opportunity to work, you know, and interact and interview all these people. And then you go back home to, you know, the Yazoo and like, ah, that's my boy right there. You know, like, you know how it is, man. Yeah. So, you know, like I just feel like teams actually look at those type of situations and they maybe don't want to put themselves in that or put that player in there. That's 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 my way of thinking. And I I've think talked, that may have I've something talked, to do with it. I've talked to guys before, like high school recruits, even like guys mm-hmm. who sign schools out of state, for example. I mean, they that's kind of their reason. I'm like, man, I gotta get away from here. They, they, just, yeah. they just need to get away and because mm-hmm. you have so many people just hanging on to you. So I get it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I don't know how much the Saints – I mean, you might be right. That may be um, a reason why the Saints have not But overall, I just think the Saints, are, at the end of the day, I think they're going to draft players that they feel like they are the best fit yeah. for that. And, and like you said, over the last couple of years, I mean, they've been knocking them out of the park. But 
Look, I understand, Rod, this is a status the Saints uh, podcast, but look, <laughs> at the same time, man, I am an African-American man. I graduated from HBCU, went to Jackson State University. No HBCU players being drafted out of 259 individuals, right? Uh, swag football was on full display on ESPN. We seen so many talented players out there up close and personal. But once again, 259 players, and not one of those players coming from HBCUs. And I I, I, I do have a clip, not a video, but a clip, so I'm pretty sure you'll be able to see this. All right? <laughs> okay. this, is from, this is from Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders, uh, this is on his Instagram page. He says, and we have the audacity to hate one another while our kids are being neglected and rejected. I witnessed a multitude of kids that we played against that were more qualified to be drafted. My prayers are that that won't ever happen again. Get the knife out of my back and fight with me, not against me. And I'm not so much uh, concerned about, you know, his little, you know, confrontations with, I know he's talking about Cornell Maynard. He's the head coach of Alabama and them. They, they got a little thing going right there. Let's, let's eliminate that. But I'm talking about the words that he's saying. 259 players ride, not one of them coming from HBCUs. What is your thoughts on that? Uh, I think – well, first of all, I mean, I went and looked up those. I saw the tweet the other day, and I, I looked up the numbers. And this isn't like something new, though. I mean, you go back last year; it was one HBCU player drafted, and I don't even—I don't have the names in front of me. I apologize. The year before that, it was four. The year before that, it was three. So that's what eight in the past four years. So I mean, the numbers just haven't been that high. And uh, there was a guy, Grambling, who I think his name is David Moore. He's a lineman. I thought he would get drafted. I mean, yeah. he was ready pretty high on a lot of boards and I was surprised actually that, that he didn't get drafted and um, you know I think they're doing some things they have the it's like a senior bowl like thing that's going to be here in New Orleans next year mm-hmm. for players from HBCUs and it'll give all the pro scouts a chance to see some of these guys that that do get overlooked um, but I mean I think it's something that you know I think they're not just unless Dion know that hey we got to do some recruit better maybe but again that's the when you look at David Moore and Graham, I mean, he's a guy, I don't know what the story was and why he got overlooked because he was one of the better players, you know, at the at the Pro Bowl. I meant the Pro Bowl, Senior Bowl. I think I might have said Pro Bowl earlier. I meant Senior Bowl. Nah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that it, it lets Dion know what, you know, what he's up against and what he's going to have to do to, to bring some talent in. You look at the recruiting class he had this, you know, this past year. I mean, I think – you know, if he can continue that and if other SWAC schools can start getting those kind of recruits in, I mean, we'll see these numbers go up. But over recent years, I mean, they just – the numbers haven't been great. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, uh, the opportunity of playing in the spring, uh, them being on full display, uh, you know, Saturday, Sunday, whatever the games were being played, people love football. And because there was a lack of football on television, I mean, more people were actually looking at this. And I feel like you're getting a larger sample size. Now, I can accept the fact that, okay, you got some of these major college football programs. They're going to dominate the the airwaves because a lot of scouts are going to be able to look at them. But when you don't have absolutely anything going on, you already got the sample size of the major college football players that you wanted to scout, combine coming up, pro days or whatever. You can actually watch guys on television. Like there's a guy out um, at Southern University named Jordan Lewis. Jordan Lewis – uh, led the FCS in sacks. You know, you look at a Quill Glass, a guy who's a quarterback at Alabama A&M. This guy was actually on some people's uh, big board as being, you know, a, a prospect. 
So you can't say that these guys aren't as talented. And you also mentioned the offensive lineman from Grambling. So I think what Deion Sanders is trying to say is he's trying to change what, what a lot of people think about HBCU football. And with that, right, it, it should basically change the whole uh, landscape. And, and I, think, I think his words also, before we move on, it, it wasn't so much about anybody like hating on him or anything like that. He's saying he wants those individuals to have the same mind frame as him because I feel like sometimes we we limit ourselves, right? We know what we have and we don't try to step outside of the box and that can cause us hardships or even lack of opportunities. So I think that he is encouraging those individuals to step their game up. But I, I, I don't want to see a situation like this ever happen again. It's, it's it, it, there's too many talented guys that play HBCU football to not not a handful of them uh, hit, get their name called. I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I think they need to do a little bit better than that. And you, you mentioned thinking outside of the box, and that's what it's going to take to to change this. I mean, and, and and like getting these guys in and, you know, making people realize that they are some time. And I'm, I'm hoping this um, – and I apologize. I can't remember the name of what they're calling this senior bowl type event in New Orleans uh, next season. But um, I'm hoping that can help because, I mean, you're going to get the best of the best guys from HBCUs here. And, you know, unfortunately, they have to do that. I mean, you, you wish those guys could get their shot at the at the actual senior bowl. Like, I mean, some guys have, obviously. I've had, uh, well, Teron, you know, years ago. And um, I can't remember the line from Alabama State Titus something that got drafted what two or three years ago so i mean there have been some guys who who got through that but i mean you want to see more opportunities and uh that's that's why they set up this this game here in new orleans yeah i mean there's the ron armster is out there right now i mean and there's darius leonard's out there i mean they got yeah, three yeah, coins right. out there right so i mean so many different guys so i just hope that i just hope that this uh this new platform that they're putting out there i hope it, these guys get some exposure because once again it's hard for me to believe that you can find a Deontay Harris from Assumption College and you can't find, you know, a player that, that go to HBCU. But uh, finally, we uh, let's talk about Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston has been uh, using this offseason uh, to work out with some of the, the wide receivers for the New Orleans Saints. We've seen Adam Troutman out there. We've seen Jawan Johnson, Traquan Smith. But Ryan, we haven't seen him working out with Taysom Hill. What's going on with this? <laughs> like, is 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 are they having like uh, workouts like with Taysom? Is Taysom just not like filming it? it uh, I mean, what, what's going on here? Like, is, is Jameis being a little bit more proactive than number seven Taysom Hill is right now? I'm not sure. It's a good question, man. And it's I mean, I've seen people comment with that on Twitter, but I, you know, I think these guys, especially your receiver, I mean, you want to work with. A quarterback, whoever it is, and I think Jameis, I think what you said about him being proactive is probably accurate. accurate. And uh, and he, I don't even know if Jameis is Jameis one posting most of that stuff or just other people. Like I don't know if Jameis is out like promoting it, but I, mean, I just think he's putting in the work. And yeah, I don't. Yes, yeah, I, I don't think he's putting. Like, I don't think he's putting it out. Like according to like, I, I think I may have seen like one uh, video. Uh, maybe it's uh, it's his uh, social media team probably put out for him or something like that. But I don't think he just personally doing it himself, but yeah. for the most part, it's just individuals taking pictures up there. But I mean, Rod, I just find it very interesting. Like, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, and, and to be honest, I mean, James is a guy who I think most people think is going to win that job. And, you know, and, and maybe the team knows that too. I don't know, but, and I say that, 
and Taysom could be doing the exact same workouts, and we just don't know it. So yeah. it wouldn't be fair for me to try to figure that out. But we we know what James is doing, and we know who he's doing it with, and 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 that, that's good to see that this guy's putting in his work because I mean we, you know, we've seen Drew Brees videos like this in the past, and you know, that's that's all you want to see is these guys, you know, putting in the work, and that's what James is doing, and you know I think. You know, I think if he does win a job, I think he has a chance to have a really good season with this team because the weapons are there. He has a good offensive line. I mean, I just, you know, he, he, I mean, we know the numbers he put up in Tampa Bay, even though he had all the interceptions. But, you know, if you cut down those, I mean, this this offense could be really explosive because he brings some things to the table that, that Drew didn't bring. I mean, his, I mean, we saw his arm strength in that, in that one play in the playoff games. And, uh, yeah. you know, so just seeing that. That should be pretty promising if you're if you're a Saints fan. Again, that's assuming James wins this position. Yeah, uh, but I mean, to me, I mean, he's really taking it serious. He's he's really taking it serious. I mean, he's cut down on weight. He's really dialed in right now. And like I said, I mean, he's being proactive. And maybe Taysom isn't that way. Maybe you know Taysom is out in Utah. I know he got a, a new home built for his wife and his, you know and his and his son. Maybe they're out there throwing the football around, you know, with some players that we don't know. But I mean, I mean, we we know where we live. We live in a, a social media world, right? If it out of sight, out of mind. If it's in our face, then that's what exactly what's going on. Be be that if if Taysom out there like channeling his inner Drew Brees or not, you know, like if, if we're not seeing it, then we're wondering where is it, you know? Yeah. Uh, final question: What? Uh, Draft pick or undrafted free agent? Are you looking forward to seeing uh, this training camp? Uh, draft pick. Let me think. Um, I think out of the guys they drafted, who I think can really contribute right away, it may be the linebacker at Ohio State, just because I just think um, I just think it's a need, and I think they, you know, they they saw where Quan Alexander brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Speaking of LSU guys, they did have one. They didn't draft him, but he was here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, I mean, he's a guy I really want to see. But I think Paulson Adebo, man, just – because I think in training camps, a lot of times with linebackers and linemen, you can't really see what they do at training camp. Right. Um, cornerback, I mean, they do so many one-on-one drills. So, you're getting to see these guys go up against the Michael Thomases. And mm-hmm. so, just, I'm kind of looking forward to – he's probably the guy that I'm most looking forward to just because of the position he plays and what you can see during during camp with him. Yeah. Um, as far as the, um, the undrafted guys, I hadn't really – I probably hadn't looked. I guess the, the guy from Syracuse, Trill. Yeah. Um, Trill Williams. Trill Williams, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a guy. He's, you know, he's a, another DB. So, I mean, i like to see what he can do as well. Yeah. I mean, the Pete Werner, I mean, he got some some Luke Kinkley in him somewhere. I mean, this guy seems like he's a no-nonsense type guy. You yeah, know, right. he seems like. He seems like he's a pretty quiet guy, but when he gets on the field, like, he just he just turns it on. And, and you already alluded to the other pick, Trill Williams. I mean, anybody named Trill, right? right. <laughs> like it just—it just the name. I mean, it's just his name alone just make you interested to see what he gonna do. Right. You can't be named Trill, you know, right. and, and not be able to ball, you know. So, <laughs> you know, no doubt about it. But Rod, thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. I really do appreciate it. And before you go, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. Um, on Twitter, I'm. I have to think about this every time because I got a Twitter name, Instagram name. <laughs> Twitter is Rod Walker Nola. Um, and you can read my stuff on uh, nola.com. I you know, write for the Times Picayune slash advocate. So you can read it on nola.com and um, cover Saints, Pelicans, some yeah. two lanes. It's pretty much all New Orleans sports stuff. So, yeah. 
Well, we're looking forward to reading some of your articles and also just some of the questions that you ask. Uh, you know, um, we, we really do appreciate your time and, you know, continue to give us that, that good content, man. We really do appreciate that. Uh, anytime, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah.